Good morning, Minecrafters, and welcome to episode 54, Different, Not Defective. Yeah, uh, today's going to be a continuation of our, our, our discussion on the amazing ADHD adult mind. Uh, though we're going we're gonna to continue it and shift to, you know, how we manage in a neurotypical world. You know, so for just a very uh, quick recap, last week we kind of talked about how a de- attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, you know, is, is a quite a misnomer to begin with. Because, well, first of all, first of all, the word the word disorder is a shame word, meaning that that leaves fill in the blank with whatever that is, whatever disorder, whatever disorder, you know, it has us feeling like something's missing, that we're not enough, we're lacking, or even worse, all this, you know, the the lengthy list of shame words, flawed, defective, deficient, you know, and, and it's, it's ADHD has had this, you know, deficiency based, you know, uh, label for a very long time. And we talked about how, you know, they're also typically when somebody deals with something extra in this world, there's also a gift that comes along with it in a way that we shine in a way that's different from the neurotypical population. So we talked about that, and we also renamed it to ASHG, or Attention Surplus High Energy Gift. You know, we also talked about how, you know, it's really, it's difficult to even refer to something as a disorder when there are so many positives to it. And not not to diminish the challenges, as a member of the Fast Mind Club myself, I know I got, you know, definitely a thread of negative, you know, a lot of the way through. And also there are lots and lots of gifts. So really, you know, just as I, you know, I kind of I tell my kids a lot, we all have, you know, really shining star parts and we've got messy parts. And it's best to acknowledge the messy parts, um, acknowledge them, though, shift our attention to, no pun intended, the the shining star parts. And there are a lot of shining star parts with ADHD. And it's not that our our nervous systems are defective, which is how, you know, they've been portrayed or it's been portrayed to the world when really we're just kind of operating by our own uh, owner's manual, I guess is the best way to say it, because we have an interest-based nervous system. We have an interest-based nervous system, which doesn't mean that we're immature or reckless or need to grow up, or any of these other things, it means that we are wired in a different way, you know, and as we've been saying for different reasons, life doesn't usually operate in polarized manner, it just doesn't, there's usually typically a spectrum, no matter what it is, autism, um, you know, learning how to cook, learning how to play soccer, sexuality, there's a whole range, and so, you know, we land on a range too, we ran on, we land on a range of you know, attentional difference from one end to the other. You know, and part of this deficit-based misnomer and actually prejudice, because it does get carried over into stigma and prejudice and just making this assumption that those of us with ADHD can't pay attention or that there's some kind of, you know, void in us or some kind of, you know, like Swiss cheese, all kinds of holes in us that are just missing. It's not that we can't pay attention. And I would tell you, trust me, I'm, I'm aware since, you know, dealing with this my entire life, it's the exact opposite that's true. We are paying attention to 
the high majority of what's going on around us. It's just a quick shift back and forth, like a hummingbird, just zip, 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 zip. And that's really what's going on. And then pretty much lastly for the first part, we, you know, we talked about the hyperactive part, how those of us who are seasoned adults, and I'm going to guess it's probably true for children too. I don't remember going back that far because uh, it wasn't even acknowledged to me as a child. You know, back then you had to be Dennis the Menace with a slingshot in your back pocket, skipping school and ending up in the principal's office. And, you know, there really wasn't much room for little girls with, you know, in that range of, of diagnosis or figuring anything out whatsoever. Um, and, you know, back then, many little girls had the inattentional type. So they weren't going to land in the principal's office. They were usually your daydreamers. And uh, boys, too, like, you know, girls were just definitely fell through the cracks way back then and still are, though it's much better now. Uh, but I did have the H, still have the H. And there's a lot of misrepresentation around the high energy element, too. And uh, though by the time there's we do not grow out of ADHD, that is a myth, just like we don't grow out of autism. We don't grow out of, you know, whatever fill in the blank. We just learn to manage it better so it can seem like we grew out of it, but we really didn't. So you'll read a lot that the H is missing for most adults. By the time we're a fabulous 56, such as myself, that we have, you know, left the H behind. Well, that's not true. I am, I'm still wearing it on the outside, actually. Um, uh, however, lots of adults who maybe had the H, you know, the high energy H as children don't appear to be bouncing around as much. And what people don't understand is that we're still, we still have that high energy piece on the inside. So we can feel really, you know, kind of hyper. Again, I don't really like the word as much on the inside. And that can be misinterpreted as anxiety or um, being uptight, being wound for sound, all these other things. When really what it is, is the executive functioning system just kind of move the party in the living room. Really, that's that's all that's happening. And for me, I wear the I wear it on the inside and the outside. And so it's it's helpful, you know, sort of helpful for me to let those in my life know that. And also the comments, I don't get them as much anymore since we've cleared that up in this family, you know, but when somebody says, calm down, why don't you just relax? And even outside of the ADHD, you know, community, I don't know that anyone responds well when they're commanded to calm down or commanded to relax. And so I've definitely had that chat more than once with the people in my, in my life and realizing too Along with ADHD comes, comes you know, uh, a different way of relaxing. People make these assumptions, I think in general, because we can be very egocentric, that people think the way we do and do things the way we do and behave the way, do, the way we do and relax the way that we do. And so many people you know, say, oh, I'm going to have such a relaxing Sunday. I'm going to lay around and read a book. Okay, well, that isn't my idea of relaxing. I really enjoy reading. I read voraciously, though. It's, that's an activity for me. That's not relaxing for me. I relax when I'm in motion, skiing, running, walking, even moving around, doing things, gardening even, but moving, moving, moving. And people don't always get that. And they assume, oh, you can't sit still. You still can't sit still after all these years. You know, just blah, 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 blah. Well, I'll tell you this. In my world, sitting is way overrated. You know, and as we have an interest-based nervous system, which comes from William Dodson, actually, I love this guy's article. Wow, is he 
amazing. It's uh, The Secrets of the ADHD Mind. He writes for ADD too. And if you are out there and a member of the Fast Mind Club, I would I, I would suggest subscribing to it. I'm not trying to sell anything. It doesn't even cost. I don't even think it costs anything. I don't know. But look up ADD Etude. William Dodson's article, Secrets of the ADHD Mind, is in there. And he's the one where I first saw this very positive spin put on the ADHD Mind with an interest-based nervous system. I love that. Instead of being immature and reckless and can't grow up and blah, 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 Peter Pan, blah, 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 I heard that like a thousand times. Uh, you know, it, it shifts into a positive light away from this deficit-based, you know, idea and moving into a positive, you know, idea of, of ADHD wrapping around it as we're driven by interest. Okay, it doesn't mean, you know, we're sick, that we're six and, you know, you know, just can't get past what, what grabs are. It's just how we are. We are, we are shining object chasers. And it's a better plan to just embrace this because, when we chase a shiny object, that's a new project for work, a TED talk, a book, something, a, you know, an idea for a film, being creative at a restaurant with being a head chef or whatever, or not a head chef, just, you know, not a head chef, a regular chef. We, we run with it. So rather than putting us down for everything we're not doing and how we, we don't measure up, wrapping around it and running with it, especially those you know, out in the grown-up world there, and the child world, I guess I'm just more focused on the adult world right now. When employers get that, they, when they have their eye on the prize and realize what we are capable capable of, that's a big score for them because we are ideas people. We are very, very creative and innovative. And it's a win-win for all parties involved Involved when they when they wrap around us like a burrito with what we're good at. You know, so now we're going to just kind of tap into the whole idea of, you know, those of us in the Fast Mind Club, you know, managing and navigating this neurotypical planet, this wonderful planet, right? However, it is very neurotypical. So for us to manage that, um, it's a lot every day, even, even at a fabulous 56, you know, it's just kind of constantly being on guard in the professional world. Am I talking too much? Did I interrupt did I this did I that did I this and and it's 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 though we get better at it and things get better and easier and we learn to put certain strategies in place and coping mechanisms and all of that there's still that kind of low grade hypervigilance um about thinking questioning things because we see things so differently that it's 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 like just not having a blueprint for this planet it's just hard to explain so uh, I've gotten good at asking people. Uh, we have a daughter. Our oldest daughter is blessed with the gift of autism, and she does the same thing, different reasons, but does the same thing with us. You know, is it, is it appropriate to say this? Is it appropriate to say that? And I do that in a different way. I just kind of, I just kind of uh, check things with people who are close to me and I can trust. You know, was that too much to interrupt? You know, whatever, whatever. And, you know, William Dodson you know, I love how he dresses this because he, he basically comes right out of the gate saying that 90% of non-ADHD people in the world are referred to as neurotypical. It's not that they are normal or better. Their neurology is accepted and endorsed by the world. Thank you, Bill. Because yes, so true. This, you know, it's kind of like trying to play Monopoly that's maybe not a good example because most of us know that game. But let's say taking on a more challenging game that's new, somebody drags out a board game, 
you know, after, you know, you're at a dinner party and dessert and they bring out, I'm thinking of like Catan, actually, if any of you know that game, it's much more involved. Um, those of us in the ADHD club are not usually board game people, but this is a good example anyway, because if you haven't played it and the, the, everybody else at the dinner party and they've been playing together for a long time and they're being kind of explaining the rules and, and things to you. And so you're kind of trying to put this together. It's all new. Okay. So that rule, I do this, I do that. I check out that country. I do. And then, but they all know how to play. So it's this hyper vigilance of trying to, you know, fit in with that and manage it and do the rules and not make mistakes and try to follow it and try to keep up when they already know what they're doing with. And they, and they can play this game with a lot less cognitive energy because they're used to it. It's their everyday. It's how they think. And for us, it isn't. And so it takes, you know, 20 or 30 times more energy just to play that game with these rules that we're trying to process and adhere to. Um, so then he says, uh, for people with a neurotypical nervous system, being interested in the task or challenged or finding the task novel or urgent is helpful, but it is not a prerequisite for doing it. I love this guy. I just, I'd love to have, Bill, if you're listening, I'd love to have lunch with you sometime. Um, neurotypical people use three different factors to decide what to do, how to get started on it and to stick with it until it is completed. Number one is the concept of importance. So the neurotypicals think they should get it done. I'll tell you, nowhere is that in my programming. I don't even use the word should in my vocabulary. Okay, number two, the concept of secondary importance. They're motivated by the fact that their parents, teacher, boss, or someone they respect thinks the task is important to tackle and to complete. When I get a little bit better, I do better when it's, you know, kind of direct. And thankfully, I have uh, the most amazing, positive work environment ever where they accept my wonderful fast mind. And they're very good at just saying very clearly, Kim, this, you know, this is a great idea. We need to do this, this. These are your action steps, one, two, and three, like clear. And then I'm off and running. Okay, the third one. The concept of rewards for doing a task and consequences punishment for not doing it. Yeah, pretty much. We pretty much skip over that rule too. Okay. So then he says a person with an ADHD nervous system has never been able to use the idea of importance or rewards to start and do a task. They know what's important. They like rewards and they don't like punishment. But for them, the things that motivate the rest of the world are merely nags. Well said, William Dodson. And, you know, uh, William Dodson also comments in here, and he includes a quote by Dr. Ed Halloway also in his his work. He's done really good work. Driven to Distraction is one of them. He's just amazing. But they both address, like, this in general. Like, right now we're talking about ADHD, but this deficit-based thinking is just so toxic. And never mind labeling little kids with this, you know, a little child, you know, eight years old with blah, 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 disorder. All they're hearing is what's wrong with me. That's all they're hearing from it. That's it. And it's, it's just, it's terrible. It's just toxic and terrible and can affect their life all the way down the road. Look at me. I'm 56. It's still, we're still having the conversation. Um, even though I, I do, I have shifted to look at the shiny star part. Okay. So at Hallowell says, um, it's time for those in the mental health game to recognize how damaging 
the deficit-based model is to patients. It is time to replace it with the strength-based model, which doesn't deny that ADHD carries potentially life-threatening risks, but also seeks out and identifies the talents, interests, and skills upon which the person can build a life of success and joy. Thank you, Ed Hallowell. You know, so again, it's not that we don't get the rewards and punishments thing. We get that it feels good to be acknowledged and whatever the reward is, extra this as a kid. Or We also get uh, that punishment doesn't feel good, whether that's detention early on or that's being left out of a, a social work thing or an opportunity to advance or whatever. We get it. We just really haven't ever been able to use this idea of rewards and punishments to do a task. It's, it's kind of independent for us. And he says it feels like nags. Yes, that would be on the lower end. Nag, 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 like sticking pins in our head. And then we have the nails on a chalkboard feeling. You know, when people just hammer at us on, on a deeper level. Uh, and he says that the inability to use importance and rewards as motivators has a lifelong impact on the lives of people with ADHD. You know, so some examples of neurotypical ignorance would be looking at things, you know, saying, well, how can those diagnosed with a condition choose between multiple options if they can't use the concepts of importance and financial rewards to motivate them? So we have the words can't and condition. Okay, here we have again, how can they make major decisions if the concepts of importance and rewards are neither helpful in making a decision nor a motivation to do what they choose. Okay, well, uh, William Dodson would say, you know, this understanding sort of explains why none of the cognitive and behavioral therapies used to manage ADHD symptoms have any lasting benefit. Researchers view ADHD as stemming from a defective or deficit-based nervous system. And then he says, I see ADHD stemming from a nervous system that works perfectly well by its own set of rules. Thank you. Thank you, William. You know, just I want to I hope he can check his lunch schedule if he's listening and we can um, set up a time to chat soon. I love this guy. And then he says, unfortunately, it does not work by any of the rules or techniques taught and encouraged in a neurotypical world. You know, when I, when I first read this article by William Dodson in the ADD of two magazine, I sent it to a bunch of people who just have those they love, including me, in their lives with ADHD, and, and um, just some very positive feedback. This It's amazing how validating something can be when it just touches all the right places. You know, after, after you know, 56 years, of course, not the whole thing, because part of that was infancy, right? But and, Or even still, hearing, just hearing so much negative, much of which, you know, those of us out there are filling the blank with whatever it is you may deal with, you know, um, much of it unconscious at this point, right? And it just, and then it's reinforced and it's just, you know, it's just an ugly scenario. So to be able to make that shift from messy, from messy parts of us to shining star parts of us is just so wonderfully liberating. And William Dodson has done a great job, in my opinion, with this. One of the best articles, if not the best article I've ever read on this. And then he says, um, as far as you know, the neurotypical world thing, he says, students with ADHD do not fit in the standard school system, which is built on repeating what someone else thinks is important and relevant. Oh, my gosh, it is. It's just neurotypical regurgitation all the way through. 
Ah, thank you, Bill. Okay, and then he says, adults with ADHD do not flourish in the standard job that pays people to work on what someone else, namely the boss, thinks is important. Yes, and this is where we grown-ups get a lot of negative because it's expected that we can manage the adult world in the way neurotypical adults manage the adult world, and when we don't, because it's makes no sense to our to makes no sense to us. We're often, you know, perceived and told that we're immature or reckless or why don't we grow up or irresponsible or whatever, because it just it just doesn't make sense to us. You know, try, you know, being in a conversation with someone who speaks an entirely different language than the one that's native to you. Um, it's it's a it's sort of a lesser, uh, you know, lesser uh it's saying it's sort of saying it's a lesser degree you know we don't get it we, we that isn't how we operate and it, we're trying to fit you know a round peg into a square hole or the reverse because that just isn't going to work for us you know ever and you know we'll reiterate this in a minute but the thing is that I think many know not everybody because definitely not my work environment they're amazing and they they get it and they're just in oh, they're just encouraging and they're embracing and they're amazing. However, you know, much of the world still doesn't get it. And uh, we don't want to be you. That's what they're not getting. They're trying so hard to have us conform and fit in this square hole or whatever it is. And here's the thing. Not only is this incredibly challenging for us, we don't want to be neurotypical. Don't want it. Thank you. Thank you for asking. And thank you for playing. It'd be a door prize on the way out kind of thing. We don't want that. We like ourselves just how we are. We've got gifts you don't have. And so it's not that we're the we're miss, we're the ones who are missing all the parts. We've got things to offer uh, and shine in a way that the neurotypical really doesn't have, or at least as much. And so we have so much to bring to the table. And that's kind of, that's where I'm coming from. In fact, interestingly, uh, our daughter, our oldest daughter, is on, has, has, again, uh, has been blessed with the gift of autism. And she did a TED Talk. A few years back, her name is Caitlin Smith. If you want to look that up, and she said something very similar with the, you know, the the autism community, then called Aspergers, which they choose to identify as apparently. And she says, you know, we don't want to be you. We don't want to be you. We like ourselves exactly the way we are. Our logic makes sense to us. Our we like how we think. We have a lot to offer the world. And thank you for asking, but no, we're good. And then William goes on to say, I love this one. He says, people with ADHD are disorganized. Because just about every organizational system out there is built on two things, prioritization and time management. And these are just not in the gifts the good Lord gave us. That's just it. ADHDers, just we don't do this all that, all that well. Um, and he says people with ADHD have a hard time choosing between alternatives because everything has the same lack of importance. Truth right there. Unless it's pulling at us like ADHD hyperfocus, that's different. And he says to them, all the alternatives look the same. Very true. And he says, here's the thing, you know, those of us in the fast mind club, you know, uh, with uh, our interest driven nervous system are aware of these things, at least by the time we're adults I'm, uh, kids out there. I'm not sure they're, they have such a conscious awareness, but certainly at 56, I do. And he says that, you know, if they're engaged in a task, they can do it far from being damaged goods. People with an ADHD nervous system are bright and clever Hear that, everybody? Bright and clever. I'm going to throw intelligent in there, too. Thank you very much. The main problem is that they were given a neurotypical owner's manual at birth. A neurotypical 
owner's manual at birth. Thank you, William Dodson. It works for everyone else, just not us. I'm just realizing, I think William's one of my new best friends. He just isn't aware. You know, Oprah, of course, being, you know, my my real bestie, but he's right up there. He's right up there with her in this sense. Because, wow, he's just so wonderfully empathetic. And, and that goes far. So it just goes so far when people, you know, are accepted exactly the way they are. And he says, you know, the, here's some truth. He says, he says, what I've come to understand, something that people with ADHD know from an early age is that if you have an ADHD nervous system, you might as you might as well have been born on a different planet. Oh my gosh, just a very clear visual right there. He said most people with ADHD have always known they are different. They were told by their parents, teachers, employers, spouses, and friends that they did not fit the common mold, and that they better shape up in a hurry if they wanted to make something of themselves. Uh, he says, as if they were immigrants, they were told to assimilate into the dominant culture and be like everyone else. Unfortunately, no one told them how to do this. No one revealed the bigger secret. It couldn't be done, no matter how hard they tried. I feel like I want to cry right now. Oh, my gosh. This is just really tap dancing all over my buttons here. The only outcome would be failure made worse by the accusation that they will never succeed because they don't try hard enough or long enough. You know, and then William moves into the gifts. And this is, again, I'm so blessed with this uh, where I work because people do get it there. And he says, um, you know, it seems odd to refer to as a, a condition as a disorder when the condition comes with so many positive, so many positives. He says people with ADHD, with an ADHD style nervous system tend to be great problem solvers. This is so true. And the reason is because our biggest, hugest gift to offer the world is our creativity and our innovation. And obviously, there's a direct line from creativity to problem solving. And as said in the last episode, you know, by the time we're in high school, we're figuring out all kinds of stuff that got past most people because they they get stuck in functional fixedness and, fun, you know, the ways that things are supposed to happen and play out. Whereas our wonderfully wandering minds you know, venture around, you know, all over the place, out the door, around the block and come up with, you know, a brand new way of looking at things. And it's certainly for the business world, the entrepreneurial world and uh, me in academia being, you know, owning or being a chef at a restaurant. There's so many ways creativity can just roll into almost anything, really. I just want to say anything. And he says, the ADHDers, they wade into problems that have stumped everyone else and jumped to the answer. They're affable, likable people with a sense of humor. Very true. We are funny, I have to tell you. We have what Paul Wender calls relentless determination. When they get hooked on a challenge, they tackle it with one approach after another until they master the problem, and they lose interest entirely when it's no longer a challenge. That is, oh, my gosh, spot on, William Dodson, spot on. And I know uh, where I where I teach at Champlain College, I'm also have a role uh, with sort of facilitating the well-being program, well-being and success program, we're constantly, this is a college, it's just, we got the stamp of innovation. So there is no, there is no better place for me to be than right there. It is the most perfect fit. And, and they, again, they, they, they not only accept, we're so past acceptance, tolerance, acceptance, but it's actually an embracing atmosphere. So, you know, if they're looking for ideas on this and that and the other thing, they ask and they just, they know 
that that ADHD hyperfocus will kick in. I will be able to think about nothing else while this exciting new idea is, you know, wildly spinning in my head. Everything is blocked out, which is kind of the paradox or irony, irony with ADHD because we focus at a, such a higher level than, than your average neurotypical focus. And as mentioned before, it were also like Cinderella, you know, approaching midnight. We have a window. There's a window for it. So we just run and it's like, get out of my way. I got this thing. And then we had come up with some amazing new creative, innovative idea, you know, then here you go. And then we're done. And we want to move on to the next thing because that is no longer exciting or challenging. And then William kind of winds us up here, which I think this is fantastic. He uh, talks about, um, you know, that these nice qualities and how he'd like some of them himself. He said, if I could name the qualities that would assure a person's success in life, I would say being bright, being creative with that intelligence and being well-liked. I would also choose hardworking and diligent. I would want many of the traits that ADHDers possess. Once again, if you're listening, William Dotson, big, huge, ginormous thank yous to you. And um, you just, you've done a lot for the ADHD community here. Thank you so much. And of course, this is such a wonderfully positive note to just, to kind of uh, uh, close this part of our conversation on. It'll be uh, to be determined if there's a, a third part. There's still some more to say here. But what a great, just what a great moment to just kind of send you on with your day. So uh, thank you. Minecrafters across the United States and world. Thank you for listening. Uh, This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.